Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Praise be to God, it's good to be on with you Uh we're going to have a great show today. I'm very excited. Apparently, I'm uh, also behind on a few tasks to get the show started. So I'm uh, double dipping in the brain, and it's not working out all that well. But we're going to get through it because Bug Hall is going to be our guest today. Bug Hall is a former child star in Hollywood. Um, he, he's been in a number of productions. You know, Steven Spielberg got him started in the business, but he spent 30 years he was in, I think, over 50 productions, uh, acting, writing, selling, developing, and all of that. But he was also a victim of, of abuse in Hollywood, he, even on the very set of Steven Spielberg. Um, and it started, you know, very early on. And it's something he struggled with. It, it led to uh, drug and alcohol addictions and even uh, being arrested. But he also had a major conversion experience. And he has transformed his life, and he's going to be on our program today to discuss that transformation, that uh, that incredible uh, journey uh, from brokenness to freedom uh, through Christ Jesus and the sacraments of the church. So that's going to be an exciting conversation coming up later in this hour. In uh, the What's Concerning Us, I meant to do this on yesterday. I meant to do this yesterday, but we didn't have uh, the opportunity because we were talking with Alexander Trugoel and uh, and we were trying to cover a lot of ground yesterday, had those technical difficulties you might remember, but I meant to bring up D-Day, the 77th anniversary of the invasion of Normandy uh, by the Allied troops and the massive uh, casualties, the sacrifices made by those young men in order to uh, push back uh, Hitler and, and socialism and fascism. Well, there's a story out um, that came out, I think it was yesterday uh, or the day before. The Lincoln Project has equated Antifa to the soldiers who sacrificed on D-Day. And that, my friends, is an outrage, and we want to cover that in our What's Concerning Us section today. So this hour is going to be jam-packed. This hour is going to be pretty powerful, and we're very much looking forward to that. Hopefully, you'll be able to join us for all or part of that, plus breaking news and stories, Saint of the Day, a Gospel of the Day, plus a reflection brought to you in part by Verboom.com forward slash GRN, generously underwriting a portion of Catholic Drive Time. We're very grateful to them. All of that coming up in this hour. Good morning to you, Janelle. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. We have survived it. Now, your, your job is a lot easier today than normal. It is, it is. But you, we only have one hour, right? <laughs> yes, we only have one hour today. So you have decided uh, to cut out all the good news and go with just the really uh, hard, difficult stories, right? Well, uh, a little a little forced, too, uh, because we're cut for her time. But yes, no, there's there will be no good news today. No good news today. <laughs> that seems rather sad. But uh, yes. That's life. Uh, no, we, we, our second hour is going to be uh, pushed back. Uh, the Guadalupe Radio Network's running their share this week, so our normal second hour, which comes back-to-back, back, will be pushed back to the 9 Central, 10 Eastern a.m. hour. So uh, speaking of pushback, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Uh, Turn oh, your mic on. Oh, 
I always do that. That's like a daily thing where I forget to turn the mic on. It's also three feet away from you. <laughs> the, the button. So the uh, I was I was going to say we we still have good news. We have the gospel yes, every morning. True. So we'll hear we'll hear good news. We check that box. We check that box. So there we go. Praise be to God. It is going to be a good conversation today. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Bug Hall is going to be a great guest, and uh, it's going to be wonderful. So uh, I think we should dive into that. Uh, so lots to go here. If you're hanging out with us on video, do us a favor and uh, share this content with your friends and your family. It'll really help us to grow the audience, but to reach new people, to plant a seed in their heart. That's the goal. Uh, that's part of our apostolate here is to teach and to inform and to inspire and uh, and to raise awareness. So you can help us by sharing the content either online or off, however you might do it. We would be grateful for your uh, partnership in this apostle. Let's begin with prayer, and because it's the the month of the Sacred Heart, we will we will go to the Sacred Heart of Christ, our Savior, for help. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O most Sacred Heart of Jesus, pour down Thy blessings abundantly upon Thy Church, upon the Supreme Pontiff, and upon all the clergy. Give perseverance to the just. Convert sinners, enlighten unbelievers, bless our parents, friends, and benefactors, help the dying, free the souls from purgatory, and extend over all hearts the sweet empire of thy love. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now the headlines with Jenna Lay. Taking a look at the headlines today, the CDC reports that COVID hospitalizations and deaths for the vaccinated more than triple in one month. In other news, Texas becomes 25th state to urge Supreme Court to overturn New Jersey's 11-plus gun magazine ban. The Epic Times says a scientist who denounced lab leak theory now says investigation is needed into the origins of COVID-19. A scientist who signed a letter denouncing any notion that the coronavirus did not originate naturally now backs an investigation into the origins of the virus. Dr. Peter Police was one of 27 scientists who signed the letter, which was published in The Lancet in March 2020. We stand together to strongly condemn conspiracy theories suggesting that COVID-19 does not have a natural origin, the scientists wrote. Police now says he supports a probe. Quote, I believe a thorough investigation about the origin of the COVID virus is needed. A lot of disturbing information has surfaced since the Lancet letter I signed, so I want to see answers covering all questions, end quote. The doctor did not respond to a request for comment, nor did many of the others who signed the letter, apart from Dr. Jeremy Farrer, director of the Wellcome Trust. From Crooks, another church targeted in Myanmar before Day of Prayer. On the same day that Pope Francis urged participation in a prayer initiative for the troubled nations of Myanmar and the Holy Land, Another church was destroyed in the southern Burmese state of Kaya, marking the sixth such attack in just two weeks. Sunday morning on the Feast of Corpus Christi, Myanmar's military fired shells into the Catholic Church of Mary, Queen of Peace, in Danyangka, in Kaya state. No casualties were reported, but the church sustained significant damage. Several nearby houses were also damaged during the shelling, which began in the early hours of the morning. This marked the latest in a string of churches that have either been damaged or destroyed in Myanmar amid increased fighting between rebels and military forces following a February 1st coup, in which Myanmar's army ousted the country's democratically elected leaders and took control of the government. From Reuters, Parliament to vote on new Israeli government on Sunday. Israel's legislature will vote on Sunday on approving a new government, the Speaker of Parliament said on Tuesday a move that will unseat Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, 
the country's longest-serving leader. If the coalition of right-wing, left-wing, centrist, and Arab parties wins the vote of confidence, it will be sworn on on the, the same day, marking the end of Netanyahu's 12-year run as prime minister and his replacement by national Naftali Bennett. Last Wednesday, centrist Yish Atid party leader Yair Lapid announced that he and Bennett, a former defense minister who heads the far-right Yamina party, had formed a broad governing alliance following an inclusive March 23rd election. Israel's fourth in two years. Under their deal, Bennett will serve first as Prime Minister followed by Lapid. Bennett had urged Parliamentary Speaker Yariv Levin, a Netanyahu loyalist, to hold the Neset vote this Wednesday and called the Prime Minister to let go and desist from any efforts to persuade members of the new coalition to defect and scooper its inauguration. And those are your headline news for Tuesday, June 8th. God love you. The saint of the day, and I want to preface this by saying Joe chose the hardest names humanly possible to say for an American. I can neither confirm nor deny that. The saint of the day is Blessed Maria Drost zu Vistreg. She was born on the 8th of September in 1863 in Münster, Germany. She was born to the wealthy German nobility, and she had a twin brother, Max, and pious parents, Clemens Hedrich Franz Hubernstus. Eusebius Maria, the Count Drost zu Vistreg, and Helen Clementine Maria and Sibel Hubertin Antonia, the Countess of Galen, who are loyal to the church during the period of the Kluterkampf persecution. Baptized on the day of her birth, she grew up in Darfield Castle in Rosendahl, Germany. Dressing like a princess and playing like a tomboy, she was educated at a home by a governess and beginning in April 1879 at the school of the Sacre Cœur Sisters in Rydenburg, Bavaria, Germany. There she began feeling a call to religious life. She began her novitiate in the congregation of Our Lady of Charity of the Good Shepherd at the convent in Münster, Germany on the 21st of November 1888. She received the habit on the 10th of January, 1888, and taking the name of Maria von Gutlinschein Herzen, Mary of the Divine Heart. She became mother superior to the convent of the Sisters of the Good Shepherd in Porto, Portugal in 1896. Through her adult life, she received visions and locutions from Jesus to promote devotions to the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Blessed Eucharist. She influenced Pope Leo XIII to make the consecration of the world to the Sacred Heart. She died in the solemnity of the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus on the 8th of June, 1899, in the convent of the Good Shepherd in Porto, Portugal, of natural causes. Her incorrupt body is exposed in the Church of the Sacred Heart of Jesus in Ermensign, Portugal, and she was beatified on the 1st of November, 1975, by Pope Paul VI. Blessed Maria Drosta zu Vishreg, Pray for us. Wow. Praise be to God. That was pretty good, Adrian. You did a great job with that. Uh, God is so very good. The gospel today comes to us from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Jesus said to his disciples, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so, 
Your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We are on a mission. I want to thank verboom.com forward slash grn for supporting our mission. We're very grateful to them for their generous uh, sponsorship of the Gospel Reflection, verboom.com forward slash grn. But St. Chrysostom makes it very clear to us that in looking at this particular passage, the salt of the earth, he says, quote, It is not for you, then, to flatter and deal smoothly with men, but on the contrary, to be rough and biting as salt is. When for thus offending men by reproving them, ye are reviled, rejoice, for this is the proper effect of salt, to be harsh and grating to the depraved palate. This is a pretty, pretty hardcore way to respond to this passage. I think so many people look at this passage and think, oh, salt of the earth. You know, we're supposed to be good deeds like light shining to the world. We're supposed to be nice and, and fluffy, and we're supposed to just be always getting along with everybody. That is not the case. Remember, Jesus is speaking to his disciples here. Uh, the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible would say, being the salt of the earth, they are to season and preserve the world with peace. That's what salt does. It seasons and it preserves. And gracious with gracious speech, it goes on to say, though, being the light of the world, they are to bear witness to Jesus and his message. The Greek word being uh, that of a martyr to be a martyr, to be a witness to Jesus Christ. That is our mission. That is our purpose. And when Jesus spoke this to his 12 disciples, he meant that looking them in the eye. Also notice what happens in the Sermon on the Mount. The fatherhood of God comes to the stage. Uh, The Ignatius Catholic Study Bible pointed this out, that uh, in chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew, Jesus uses the the word father to describe uh, God the Father 17 times. It wasn't used before this in the chapters before this. So go to go from nothing to 17 times, that is very insightful about that intimate re- relationship that we will have with the Holy Trinity, specifically the Father. He has brought the fatherhood to the people for a mission to be salt to the world, not to be you know gentle, nice, and go along to get along, but for the salvation of their souls, that they must season this world to preserve it from sin. Be a light, be a light, be a light. As Augustine and Hillary and the early church fathers, even Venerable Bede would point out, the light is the church. Its rays are that of Christ our Savior. We must never hide them. We must put them out for the salvation of souls. Amen? On the other side of this break, what's concerning us? I'm going to be talking about D-Day and Antifa coming up next. Looking for a Catholic university where the greatest works of Western and Catholic tradition are the foundation for learning, all in an environment that is faithful to the magisterium? Recommended by the Cardinal Newman Society, the University of Dallas offers an exceptional liberal arts education, preserving the wisdom of the past while preparing students for world-changing futures. Academically excellent, always faithful. Apply today at udallas.edu. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. 
Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. Praise be to God. I want to thank Real Estate for Life, realestateforlife.org, for being a generous sponsor of our Catholic Drive Time program. They help to connect people who are either buying or selling houses uh, to support pro-life organizations like our own. So uh, it, we're very grateful because uh, when people use their service and they're referred by us, well, we get a commission out of the deal, which helps us to continue our apostolate of looking at the headlines from a Catholic perspective and bringing you informing, inspiring, and gripping sometimes conversation. And so realestateforlife.org, thank you for that. We were very grateful to you. Coming up, I don't know, 20 minutes or so from now, we're going to be talking to former Hollywood star Bug Hall. Uh, Bug's from uh, Fort Worth, by the way. But as a child, he had a unique opportunity to play Alfalfa in Steven Spielberg's remake. And um, from... Er, the earliest days of him joining the Hollywood crowd, he experiences child abuse at the hands of predators on set. And that would continue on for years. And uh, he spent actually 30 years in Hollywood, but up until he was about, I don't know, 11 or 12 or so, he was being abused on set. This led to drugs, alcohol, and other addictions, and even uh, being arrested. But it also led to conversion. A profound one at that, and he's going to be on our show in about, I don't know, 18 minutes or so from now to conversate about that experience in his life, pedophilia in Hollywood, uh, the occult, and conversion, and his rule of life for his family. It's pretty amazing, and we're looking forward to that conversation coming up. Uh, I wanted to talk about this yesterday. Did not have the opportunity. We had uh, um, uh, Mr. Trugoel on from Aust- uh, Austria to talk about Europe. It... <laughs> The 77th anniversary was on Sunday, June 6th, 1944. 150,000 plus men uh, stormed the beaches of Normandy, France, in an effort to put troops on the ground in Europe to push back against Hitler and Nazism and fascism. And uh, there was an article that was put out yesterday. I think it was yesterday. Apparently, the Lincoln Project put out an ad over the weekend, equating the men who stormed Normandy with Antifa. And this should be an offense uh, to anyone who has a conscience, in my opinion. However, especially to those who have served, and especially to those who have given their lives in the pursuit of freedom in the service of our country. Now, I want to just remind you of some of the things, because I think it's, it's very easy for us, you know, the further away we get from, from these moments in time, the more we, we, we fail to remember the details. Of course, how many of you, by show of hands, how many of you remember Pearl Harbor Day every year? Do you? 
How about uh, 9-11? Is that becoming more and more faded from your memory? Well, D-Day was a long time ago, 77 years. Like I said, 150,000 men were put into action. Uh, this is a quote from the History, Ch- History Channel. Not my favorite resource, by the way. Um, but I, I thought it, con- it summarizes things pretty well here. It says, quote, While casualty figures are notoriously difficult to verify, not all wounded soldiers are counted. For example, uh, the accepted estimate is that Allies suffered 10,000 casualties on June 6, 1944, the one day. The highest casualties occurred on Omaha Beach, where 2,000 U.S. troops were killed, wounded, or went missing. Uh, At Sword Beach and Gold Beach, where 2,000 British troops were killed, wounded, or went missing. At Juneau Beach, where 340 Canadian soldiers were killed and another 574 wounded. I want you to put in your mind this contrast between Antifa, you know, the people who have basically hijacked uh, people, uh, cities like Portland, Oregon, for instance, or um, uh, cities in Minneapolis, um, or Minnesota, rather. And they are attacking courthouses. They are taking over city blocks. Uh, Violence ensues and craziness and chaos across our country. And compare and contrast that with these men. Imagine yourself being on a boat, shipped across the channel... You're young. You don't, you don't know what you're about to face. You wanted to serve your country, and so you signed up. You heeded the call, and there you are. After months of boredom and training in England, now is that day. You waited on the boats for, for uh, hours upon hours just waiting for the call, and now here you are sailing towards the, the shore of France. And you disembark the boat, and you, you climb down a cargo net into a, a landing craft, packed you know, in there like sardines. You can't really see anything. You can only look up, really. You can't see out in in front of you. You don't know what you're facing. Only the driver of the craft can see what's coming. But you can't. And then that moment comes, and by then, your hands are cold and clammy, and your heart is beating out of its chest. Thump. Thump, thump. Thump, thump. Your eyes are darting around. You're looking around, trying to find courage in your friends, and you're, you're, you're sick. Your stomach is just sick to itself. Not just because of the motion of the ocean, because of the anxiety of the unknown of what will happen next. The artillery fire starts. The automatic machine gun fire starts. The ramp drops, and men began to offload. Some drowned Almost immediately, their bodies carried out to sea, never to be found or heard from again. It would be a full year and a day later before they would be counted in the casualty count. Their grave markers would not say June 6, 1944. Their grave markers would say June 7, 1945. Many men shot, killed, dead before they even had a chance to storm that beach. And still, and still, they pressed on. Now, what were they pressing on for? What was their goal? Well, let's define terms here. Fascism is what we are told by the Lincoln Project, who says that Antifa is like these soldiers, as brave and as courageous as these young men who went unknowingly uh, to their death in many cases. They were fighting fascism. Let's define terms. 
According to Merriam-Webster, fascism is a political philosophy, a movement, a regime and uh, that exalts nation and often race above the individual. And that stands for a centralized autocratic government heated by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social regimentation and forcible suppression of opposition. Notice the race card played there. Were these young men focused on race on that day? I don't think so. What about socialism? You know the Nazis were socialists, right? I think we can forget that sometimes. But they were fascists and they were socialists. Any of various economic, this is according to Merriam-Webster definition of socialism, any of various economic and political theories advocating collective or governmental ownership and administration of the means of production and distribution of goods. The state gets to decide how goods are managed, how they are distributed, who gets them, and why and how much. You know, it, it, this revisionist history that we live in, it's diabolical. Just the other day, there was this crazy story of an Amazon driver charged with attacking a 67-year-old woman during a delivery dispute. Now, you know, tensions rise. People get angry. They get snippy. They get uh, crude and crass. They say mean things. And then we lash out because we fail to control our concupiscent appetites. Our pride is, is, is harmed. And we attack well, this particular delivery uh, driver, she was shouting something about white privilege as she beat on this 67-year-old woman. I bring this up to point out this is one of many stories in the headlines these days of race-focused violence and tensions rising. BLM uh, marched in the very square of George Floyd. Gunfire erupts in a gun battle in the very square where George Floyd died. Not all that long ago. BLM and Antifa routinely partner together in their chaos. Race being at the center of it. Race being a major factor in fascism. Who is exactly like the soldiers on D-Day? Is it Antifa? Uh, the Lincoln Project seems to think so. This is very concerning. In the 1930s across Europe, the, the, the water was boiling in anti-Semitism, in violence against people because of their ethnicity. And the average ordinary citizens of Germany began slowly to accept this and to go along with it. You know, if you've ever looked at the photos of uh, ordinary citizens at the time of concentration camps living in the towns nearby, it, it boggles the mind. You just sit there and stare at them and wonder, how is this possible? How is it you? How is it you could have lived next to a concentration camp that, that would slaughter so many people simply because they were Jews? Well, my people, if we do not wake up soon, if we do not give up on our concupiscent passions and seek to uh, uh, cling to Christ with all our might and have a total conversion, to give our lives completely over to him, to live by the sacramental graces that he has poured down upon us, gives access to us uh, on a daily basis, we will find ourselves in the same situation all over again. Antifa is nothing like the young men who disembark from those boats, storm those beaches, as teenagers mostly, living and dying, drowning 
suffering. We've all seen the movie, A Saving Private Ryan. It gave us the, uh, a taste. How about The Longest Day? It gives us a taste of the actual combat that these young men had to face. Answering the call to truly combat fascism. To come to the rescue of these Jews that were hated by so many across Europe. Were they perfect men? No, they were not. But they were courageous nonetheless. These days of ours, they require courage. They require holiness. Because without holiness, we will not obtain heaven. Our friends, our neighbors, are they buying into this? I would hope not. Let us pray and sacrifice for them. Do we do penance for the people who buy into this garbage of Antifa, garbage of race-baiting war, race-baiting violence in our country? God has made man in his likeness and his image, and dignity does every human person possess, no matter their background. Do we see Christ in others? Or do we just listen to this rhetoric and buy into it? We have to make a choice. And I fear for our country if we do not make that choice. For Christ, for truth, for common sense even. These are very concerning days. Let us remember the sacrifice of so many that have been forgotten. 77 years. The survivors are nearly 100 years old at this point. Could you imagine the ghosts and the shadows that they carry every single day from just that one day of combat, let alone all the others that they had to face? And by God's grace alone, they seem to survive. Let's remember their sacrifices and all the sacrifices of those who would courageously face such incredible, intense situations for the cause of freedom. The sacrifices of those who have fallen. Amen? Amen. Bug Hall is going to be our guest on the other side of this break, along with breaking news with Janelle. So, so much Catholic drive time is headed your way. We'll be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church would be okay if it weren't for all the rituals? Why do people complain about rituals in the church? They don't complain about the rituals that fill the rest of their daily lives. They shake hands, they sign their names, they put candles on birthday cakes, they give each other flowers, they put on fancy weddings and somber funerals. Those are all rituals. They are symbols. They are simple ways of representing complex ideas. G.K. Chesterton says, Ritual is a need of the human soul. In fact, it's a need of the human body, like exercise. Destroy your impressive ceremony, and all you get in return is unimpressive ceremony. Want more than a minute? Visit our website at chesterton.org. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time. I'm Janelle Lay, and here are your headline news. 
The creator of the CDC COVID vaccine app dies two months after taking jab. His company mourns his passing from COVID-19. A Chinese defector says China is producing COVID variants to cover up Wuhan lab leak. From LifeSite News, Biden announces July 4th giveaway if 70% of Americans take a COVID vaccine. During a June 3rd speech at the White House, President Joe Biden promised American citizens, quote, a summer of freedom, a summer of joys, a summer of get-togethers and celebrations, if only a critical mass of at least 70% of adult Americans take at least one shot before July 4th, end quote. Biden encouraged every American over 12 years of age, no matter where you live, what you believe, who you voted for, that they have the right to get vaccinated. Although touting the liberty Americans have to choose the vaccine freely, the president made clear his preference that citizens use this liberty in a specific way, saying, quote, It's your choice, so please exercise your freedom. Live without fear. We need to be one America united, free from fear this fall. We especially need people under 40 to step up so we can declare independence from COVID-19, end quote. Driving the wartime effort is a host of new incentives designed to encourage those who are currently hesitant about receiving a COVID vaccine to put their fears aside and take the jab. Parents will be given free childcare in order to facilitate attending a vaccine clinic in partnership with over 500 YMCAs and Bright Horizons daycare centers. Additionally, the brewing giant behind Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch, has announced it will buy America's next round of beer, seltzer, non-alcoholic beverage, or other AB product, providing the free beverages to over 21s if Biden meets the 70% quota. Not only will companies be handed tax credits to give their staff time off to get a jab, but thousands of pharmacies across the U.S. are opening for 24 hours on Fridays to give people every opportunity to drop in for a vaccine. CVS, in addition to being open at later hours, is entering vaccine recipients into a prize draw where they can win cash, cruise tickets, and Super Bowl and Major League Baseball tickets, simply for taking at least one COVID vaccine shot during the month of June. From the Epic Times, Babylon Bee lawyers demand retraction from New York Times over misinformation claim. The CEO of satirical news website Babylon Bee confirmed the company's lawyers sent a demand letter to the New York Times in June, demanding a retraction over what the Bee said was an allegedly defamatory hit piece. Yesterday, our counsel sent a letter to the New York Times demanding a retraction. We took this action because their article was and remains defamatory, Babylon Bee CEO Seth Dillon wrote on Twitter last week. The New York Times had published an article in March titled, for political cartoonists, the irony was that Facebook didn't recognize irony. Portraying the bee which clearly labels itself as a satire website as an entity that allegedly blurs the line between misinformation and satirical news. The NY Times article made reference to a 2019 Snopes article stating that too many people think satirical news is real. That noted fellow satirical website The Onion is also often mistaken for satire. However, Snopes alleged the Babylon Bee was among the most factually shared inaccurate content. It is therefore misleading and malicious, Dylan added of the New York Times, to characterize that incident as a feud, as if Snopes ever openly stood by the claim that we are misinformation and not satire. Dylan then said the Babylon Bee cannot stand by idly and argued that the article may damage its business. These mischaracterizations from the Times are nothing new. Previously, Times reporter Kevin Roos wrote a defamatory piece that claimed that we capitalize on confusion 
and that we have a habit of skirting the line between misinformation and satire, whatever that means, Dylan wrote. It is unclear when or if the Babylon Bee will file a lawsuit against the paper. And those are your headline news for this morning. God love you and have a good Tuesday. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Janelle. Uh, Bug Hall joins us right now by a Zoom chat. He is uh, a former Hollywood child star and uh, actor, writer, producer, and uh, incredible uh, talent. Uh, long list on the IMDb website. I encourage you to check that out. But he also suffered from um, uh, abuse as a kid on the set and addictions and worse. But it also led to a, a profound conversion. And we're very excited to have Bug Halls, our guest on the program today. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thank you uh, for being on with us today. Uh, we're very excited about our conversation. We, we do have a break at 43 after, so I want to jump into it. Um, Hollywood star, fresh off the streets of the, or I should say the mean streets of Fort Worth, Texas, uh, right into what seems to be the frying pan. Tell us about that experience. Yeah, I, uh, I didn't have any Hollywood experience until uh, Steven Spielberg had a big open call for Little Rascals. They wanted non-actors specifically. That was what made the original show, The Little Rascals, the, our gang. That's what made it so charming. So they went around to all the big cities and had you know five-hour-long uh, uh, auditions, and uh, I kind of wandered in. It was really just happenstance. And next thing I know, I'm in Los Angeles, and my life drastically changed overnight. I can imagine that was a big change. Um Listening to you tell your story, I've now watched uh, several of your interviews. One of the things that really caught my attention was you talking about being targeted by people on the set, and they had some sort of sixth sense uh, to find children who had been abused. And I think you had an abusive background from your biological father, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. So t I want to know about that. I mean, we all hear the stories. I mean, names like uh, Corey Feldman. Somehow, I, I'm I'm 47 years old, so Corey Feldman was big as, as when I was a kid. Uh, Brad Pitt, mm -hmm. Elijah Wood, Mel Gibson. These Hollywood stars have all hinted at the sort of pedophilia or the abuse of children in Hollywood. But for they always tend to backtrack on their stories, so you never quite know what's fact, what's fiction. What was your experience? Um. So within, within a few weeks of production actually starting, because when I got there, we had weeks and weeks and weeks of rehearsals and wardrobe fittings and that sort of thing. But uh, once production actually started, you know, movie sets are really chaos. Like everyone's very, very focused on their individual tasks. Um, so it, it kind of makes sense that they waited until that uh, had sort of kicked off. Um, it was a couple uh, which I didn't recognize at the time as a couple, but it was a, a two males. Um, and, uh, you know, they just kind of befriended me, right? They would take me to Disneyland uh, on the weekends and uh, wow. just kind of singled me out, right? Um, Why were they there? What, what was their purpose on set? You know, uh, one of them was a, an executive of some sort. Mm. Uh, one of them was in a, in a, just in hindsight, you know, sifting through my memory. I'm certain that one of them was some sort of a, a, a executive producer or associate producer, or some sort of a producer. Um, the other one was on the production side. The other one was wardrobe, hair, uh, something, something in that in that vein. Um, unfortunately, my memory is. Uh, not sufficient enough to, to be uh, certain. 
Sure, I understand. And that was one of the things I respected in listening to your interviews, because why didn't you come out? Why didn't you name names? Because the wrong people could be accused, right? Yeah, there's, you know, uh, there's a certain certain popular organization right now, uh, organization if you want to call it that, that tends to kind of throw names around willy-nilly and, and uh, tie pieces together, right? You know, we all have that part of our brain that likes to sort of tie the, the stories together. Um, I, the horror of accidentally accusing somebody that, that I'm not certain of, uh, kind of keeps me up at night when I, when I think about that. So, um, but in hindsight, I can put some pieces together. You know, you have to remember there's 200 people on a movie set. So at the age of eight, I wasn't certain of what anyone did. Right. I, I didn't have any experience on a movie set. So even the individual positions are hard to f- pinpoint in hindsight. Sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, you know, and, and then that was just one movie, right? The abuse went on for uh, quite a few years from project to project, almost, almost every project until I was about uh, 11 or 12. That seems rather intense and insane to outsiders like myself looking in on this. Um, I can't imagine how difficult, how painful and confusing that was to a child growing up in this crazy environment. But one of the thoughts that goes through my head, especially about that couple, right? But let's just use them as sort of a, a like a, a catch character for all these other people in your life. Did they not have a reputation that preceded them? Did people on the set not know, oh, that's that couple? Um, and they're into that really kinky thing. I mean, did, were they not known? It's hard to say. Um, I, I I don't think that it's unknown. Uh, I, I I think that I think that there is certainly an aspect of it that's that's definitely known by at least people in positions of power. Uh, I, I the fact that it's, it was so consistent throughout my my youth, um, and it only ceased because of actions I sort of took. Right. Um, I. I find it nearly impossible to believe that the people in positions of power, um, especially on the studio side, uh, don't know that this thing is is very, very common. And in any other walk of life where kids are prevalent, whether it's schools or, I mean, anyone that's Catholic and wants to do youth stuff, there's all these background things you have to do. There's there's a, a classes you have to take, right? There's a whole whole slew. The fact that that isn't any kind of a requirement for films, uh, I think, is absurd. We have just about a minute before we go to break. Bug Hall is our guest. How did you cope with this crazy environment you were in and the abuse? Well, I mean, I, you know, I really didn't, right? The, there's two sides to that coin. One, I'm the a, normalcy. Forgive of me, it. Bug. I'm going to have to pause you. That music means we're going to a break. And I don't want you to say something so good that I have to cut you off in a minute. So I'm going to ask you to pause there. We're going to take this very short break for our station partners. And we're going to be right back. Bug Hall is our guest, former Hollywood star, abuse victim. But we're going to get into his conversion after this break. I think it's, uh, it's a powerful witness, and you're not going to want to miss that. We'll be right back. Have a drive time headed your way. Most of us have a special place where we can go for peace, for quiet, for reflection when life gets overwhelming. One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. We need to go to that special place sometimes to recharge for the challenges. Monasteries are those places for the church. Under the rule of St. Benedict, the monks seek God each day in work and prayer. They invite others into that space for longer or shorter times to seek God with them. 
The church is sent to evangelize the world, and as a baptized child of God, you are sent too. Where is your special place, and do you take the time to go there? For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E MinuteMonk.com We are all sent to evangelize, but sometimes we need to go to that special place to reflect, pray, and recharge before taking the gospel out into the world. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects homebuyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Praise be to God. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's good to be on with you. Bug Hall is our guest, former uh, child Hollywood star. Spent 30 years in the business. Um, you know, I was just thinking about uh, how the Marine Corps, uh, I served in the Marine Corps in boot camp. You know, they used to always brag about, you know, their job was to break us down and so they can build us back up again. And in some ways, listening to your story, Bug, I feel like that's what God was doing to you breaking you down so he could rebuild you, because you grew up in an atheist background. But uh, due to time here, I'd like you to jump to the point in your story where you're like 11, 12, and and, uh, you're finally taking a stand against the abuse, but that led into some other brokenness. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I I worked with a young actor uh, named Brad Renfro, who was probably the roughest uh kind of bad boy reputation in the business uh, of all the child actors right he was sort of the river phoenix i guess of his day and um he really just i really latched on to him and he took me under his wing and he he was always hinting at me and he would go fishing uh, and do all these things and he was always hinting at uh, this abuse that's very prevalent in, in the business. No one ever talks about it outright, right? Mm-hmm. There's a shame in it, especially as a young man. Um, but I was certain that that's what he meant. And in hindsight, uh, um, I know for sure that that's what he meant. And he would say, you know, you, you have to learn to be tough. You have to learn to, to, uh, to fight and to not take, you know, not take anything from anyone. And I took that on, right. And I started running with those crowds and, and the, the poison that comes along with that sense of security is, um, you know, all of the substance abuse and the alcoholism and, you know, the, the just the wild nonsense um, that, that goes along goes along with it. Um, and as you know, you were talking about the concupiscence appetites earlier, and once those are sort of sprung into action, they're very hard to put back in the box, so to speak. So. Yeah, so true. You said something in uh, several of your interviews that I watched. Um, that really stuck out to me, and that was uh, in regards to the the those that would abuse you um, sexually, emotionally, physically. They were attacking your innocence. They were envious mm-hmm. of your innocence. Talk to me about that. Well, I've spent a lot of time working through at least what I think is the cause of of this sort of evil. Um, it's part of what's kind of helped me cope. Uh, later in life is to at least understand the evil that's taking place, right? I mean, if you're going to fight communism, you need to understand communism. If you're going to fight 
whatever you're going to fight, you should know your enemy. Uh, and it just hit me one day that it's not, it's not lust that drives this. Mm. Uh, it's envy. Uh, it's an envy of innocence. And, and the, I think the, the defining detail in my parsing it out was when I realized the day I stopped representing myself as an innocent child, the day that I started acting like a broken, screw up, uh, uh, you know, um, alcoholic at 12, uh, the abuse pretty much ceased overnight. Uh, there was no longer an innocence for them to, to, to destroy. Uh, and, and that was, that was the, the defining sort of detail for me when I was trying to figure it out. Hmm. Is this of a demonic nature? Is this, it seems like so, I remember you saying in one of your interviews how you tried to, when, as an adult, go back into Hollywood with some of your other uh, Catholic Hollywood stars um, or former, and you, you were saying how it was just, it's just like there's a spirit of, of wickedness that's just there in Hollywood that it's hard to go back. So I, I, when I retired, when I quit and, and released my video, I was in the middle of a, a show that I had sold to Netflix. Uh, and during the sales uh, portion of that show, you know, we were in Disney, in a Disney and, and Amazon and all these different places. Um, and it's just sort of the same sense across the board. Um, in fact, my, one of, one of my six relapses uh, was during that sales process um, uh, being at Disney was very hard for me being, being in the executive suite. I was always there for auditions over the years and stuff. And you're in various, you know, various office buildings there, but being in the executive suite there um, was really hard for me. Absolutely. There's certainly a demonic uh, uh, aspect to this. Now I, I would love to be able to say, Oh, I saw the seances and I saw the, you know, I was there for the, <laughs> the, the goat head being put on and they sprinkled me with blood. Um, that would suck, by know, the way, if you were. <laughs> no, but, you know, I, I would love to be able to shine that kind of light if I was able to, right? right. Um, the reality is that I, I didn't firsthand witness anything like that. Mm. I did know explicit Satanists over the years. They were always low-level wannabe actors or whatever. Um, is is, the, is something more than pedophilia needed in order to prove wickedness, though? Right, and that's the thing, is, is ultimately the demonic aspect of it is these people are, are fully controlled by demons, right? right? Whether they're, whether they're aware of it or not, whether they're doing the same, yes. they're fully controlled. They've given themselves over in a way that um, the average person, when they're, even when they're struggling with sin, hasn't given themselves fully over. Right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Now we have, I don't know, five minutes or so left. We need more time. We have to rebook you. You got to come back. Uh, there's just, there's more to this story than we're going to have time to jump into. But I want to fast forward. Let's talk about your conversion to the church. Now you grew up atheist. You were abused, as we've just talked about. What leads you to the Catholic faith? Uh, my writing partner, uh, he he had done a movie down in Mexico with a bunch of Catholics and was going through a conversion. Now I was very interested in, uh, what makes a man, right? I, I had always been driven. I always read stuff like Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance and you know, all these different things. And I was always trying to kind of wake him up. I was trying to get him out of his party phase. I had been sober for a bunch of years. He was right in the midst of his party phase and I was trying to drag him out of that. Um, and so I was supportive of that, even though I thought it was all malarkey. Um, 
And after about a year of kind of kind of arguing with him for the sake of arguing, uh, he duped me into going to this conference with a Catholic, uh, with an exorcist, mm-hmm. uh, one of the preeminent exorcists in the world, uh, an amazing Thomist, uh, and I made the mistake of trying to argue with this priest. <laughs> uh, this is Father Ripperger, right? Yes. Praise be yes, to God. Yeah, uh, he's a he's just a great man. And you know what's funny about Father Ripperger is he's not at all how you expect him to be if you just watch his videos. I didn't know him through the videos, right? I only knew him in person. And he's just this jovial ball of joy. Uh, he's so easy to converse with. Um, I spent years uh, hanging out with him. I helped him build his cabin in Oklahoma when he was there, and just me and him hanging out, for, you know, for weeks at a time. Um, he's he's a he's a great guy, and he. I was a hard case, man. I had a lot of stuff to work through. Um, I wish I was one of those guys that could see the truth and just shape up, but uh, I take a little more work, I guess. So you have this moment, you have this exchange, it sets you on this journey, uh, but as you said, not everything is, uh, you know, (laughs) blue skies, sunshine, and roses. It's a journey. You still had some relapses, right? I did, yeah. Uh, Six relapses in six years. Six years fully sober. And then the next six, uh, uh, six relapses, sort of increasing, right? So at first it was one every year and a half. And then in the last uh, two years, it was uh, three, right? So they just got closer and closer together. And that was the scary part for me. Um, one relapse is scary when you're six years sober, right? I mean, mm-hmm. one, one relapse really slaps you in the face. Um, when I r- realized that they were, they were getting closer together and increasing, uh, I realized I needed to do something drastic you know and i was looking at the saints at the time and and i just realized that the saints are all extremists the saints just they're all in they're not a foot in the world of a, a, you know a, a foot on the other side it's they're just getting ready for heaven and everything else is just straw dust um and i was in the process of actually starting another development company uh down in texas when i had my last relapse and I took a few months to just rethink my plan. And I said, I don't want to do this. I, 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 I want to do something that's kind of not really been done in our current time. So I, I'm starting a family monastery here and we're just kind of homesteading and devoting our life to prayer, uh, putting in a chapel and uh, praise be to God. Living, living for our Lord. And, and, and that's it. Everything else is just a waste of time. And we, I wanted to ask about that. Minutes. That's so yeah, we have about two minutes left on the clock and I'm very fascinated by this. I saw your tweet saying how you made a rule of life for your family. And I was like, how do you, how does one go about doing that? Do you have to like make a request to your Bishop and how do you format it? Did you like take on the role of St. August? I like, couldn't tell, tell, tell me about this. I'm very fascinated. All right, very quickly. Uh, lots and lots of studying. So I've read all the monastic rules at this point, and I, I'm pulling all the the Carthusians have a lot of stuff that's very conducive to family life, surprisingly. Um, and you know, you just have to be prudent about it. And I haven't finalized any of this, so I'm working through it, and it has to be approved, obviously. Um, and uh, uh, so I'm going through various drafts right now. Uh, and to to be clear, I'm the one taking the vow, right? Uh, God forbid if I die, my wife has to get remarried or something. She can't actually uh, take the vow herself, but she'll live as as I live. Um, and uh, it's just, it's kind of an experiment in a way, I think. And and I, I life's an adventure every day now. Um, and we, you know, we, we pray the hours together and we, 
my girls are out in the field with me working and we literally just talk about our Lord all day. Praise be to God. It's a, it's a beautiful life. Well, I really wish we had another hour or so. I just want to uh, dive in on so many aspects of your journey, your story, especially where you're at right now. Uh, we'd love to have you back. Hopefully, you'll come back on and we can uh, t focus in on that part of the the conversation in a little bit more detail because I think it's uh, there's so much fruit there. But um, Bug Hall, uh, your, your testimony is powerful. And again, as I said at the beginning, there are many people that we – all love in Hollywood that we have, have hinted at this type of abuse, but they didn't have the courage to see it through to, to the end that you have. And so God love you for your courage, sir. God love you for, for the journey that you're on. We'll continue to pray for you and your family. But uh, thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Praise be to God. I didn't mention this, but I think I have great uh, beard envy, a bug. His look at that beard is fascinating. It's so thick and full. At any rate, that's going to do it for Bug Hall today. That's also going to do it for our first hour of the Catholic Drive Time. Our second hour is going to be pushed back because the share starts next. So hopefully you'll tune in for that. But if you want to hang out with the Catholic Drive Time team, 9 a.m. Central, 10 Eastern, you can also go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT to hang out with us there, 9 a.m. Central, 10 Eastern. But tune in next hour too. The share starts. It's your way to support our Catholic Radio Apostolate. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Why do Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink? I don't know. In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, this is my body. He says of the wine, this is my blood. Not this is symbolic of or this represents. He says this is. In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally. Verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard him speak at the time took him literally, then my question is, why does anyone today, 2,000 years after the fact, take him symbolically? Also, in verse 51 of John 6, Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. Was that symbolic? If you think Jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, then you must also conclude that Jesus' death on the cross was only symbolic. It wasn't really Jesus hanging up there. It was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood. Jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world. He did that on the cross. Those who believe he is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us his real flesh and blood for the life of the world? Or was it only his symbolic flesh and blood? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. 
This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. 